0: Hello! Welcome back to Eavesdrop. This is Heather, and I am so glad that you're with us. We are joined today with my friends Trey and Melody Levern, and they are a part of a ministry called Route 1520, The Journey Home, and I just absolutely love their story. I hope you listened to last week's show, and if you didn't, I want to encourage you to just go ahead and push pause on this week and go back and listen to last week, because There is such a powerful platform that God has already done, and we've talked about some really important terms like paradigm shifts and preaching the gospel to yourself daily, scandalous grace and scandalous love and um, moralist behaviors and things that creep into our Christianity that I really don't want you to miss that. Um, If if you haven't listened to that first one, I want you to go back, but um, if if you listen to that one and you've been on the cliffhanger for a week waiting to hear from Melody and Trey about how God used his scandalous grace in their lives, you are in for a treat. Um, so welcome back, Melody and Trey. How are y'all? Thank we're doing you. Well. We're great. Great to be here. I'm so glad. This has been a long time coming. Mm. Uh, as I said in the first show, you know we've known each other going on 20 years. Supper mm. Club. We we were good yeah. old forks and friends. Mm. Yes, we were. Forks and friends. I mean, forks come and fr- on. Heard that in a while. <laughs> it, it's been a long time, but you know, gosh, God has done so much. Mm. Wow. He has been so faithful to yes, us. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Between us, we have seven kids wow y'all have four i have three i mean we were like college grads we were. We had the bull by the horns right Mm -hmm. yes we did (laughs) so um i just think it's a great time for Mm y'all to tell your
1: story um well let me give it we'll both probably just give a little bit of a backdrop just sure sure um before we kind of jump right in but um both of both of us met at sanford Um, I was one of three girls. My dad was a chaplain and in the ministry growing up, and um, I think being one of three girls, really four if we counted my mom, um, I was always trying to vie for my dad's, you know, affection and love, and so I was able to do that through running. He would come home from work, from being at the hospital, visiting patients and, and counseling, and... Uh, put my tennis shoes on. Nobody else would run, so you know, started real early, just um, doing everything I could to to get time with my father. Went to Stanford University because um, I was one of three girls. I'm a twin. I'm a twin, and the middle child by six minutes, and um, you know <laughs> that's, six huge, that's huge. That's <laughs> huge. But went to Stanford to uh, study music, and I met Trey, who was a religion major. We both wanted to go to Africa. Pretty much, we're going to save the world and um Absolutely. really just lived in that kind of performance paradigm of mm-hmm. just work 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 trying to be that godly person trying to be that um godly wife um we we did marry did marry at sanford and we're in a local church in town that we were helping serve at and um i'll kind of let trey tag team here and we can keep moving forward Yeah, my
2: background as i kind of mentioned uh, last uh, week um grew up in a very very small town um Going, you had to go toward town to hunt um, in the town that I grew up in. I mean, Love literally, more cattle picture. than people. Yeah, more cows than people. Love that. 117 people um, strong. But but with that, um, I call it the small town syndrome, and, mm-hmm. and some of your listeners probably can relate to that mm-hmm. because when everybody knows everything, mm-hmm. um, literally, <laughs> I mean, it's it's with that few people, it's hard uh, for secrets. To really, mm-hmm. Well, there are a lot of secrets, but yeah, there is definitely the the gossip and the rumor mill. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, a big part of my story is growing up in that, I was the oldest of two boys. Um, my dad was a coach um, and an, an educator. My mom was an educator. And um, and basically, I, I, I lost touch, or if I ever really knew, um, kind of what I wanted. I just kind of morphed mm. into what everybody else wanted. Mm. I was yeah. a pleaser. Um, I lived to make everybody else happy. Yeah. Um, I became a believer at 11. But uh, as I touched on last week, a big part of my story is I was uh, exposed to pornography when I was eight and nothing was ever talked about. Um, It was just kind of an accepted. This is what adults do. But if it was around, I found it and it became um, again, didn't know what I was going on then. But at an eight year as an eight year old, I didn't have a box really to put that in Mm -hmm. Uh, and I didn't really understand um, what what that did as far as developmentally, just some of the things that that I was exposed to. But what I do know is this, is where there was pain in my life from that point forward, I knew that for whatever reason, this made me feel better. And it was a way to escape. And that became a a pattern. Uh, Lots of shame was associated with that because... Um, if, if sex or any kind of sexual sin was ever alluded to, which was rare, but if it ever was talked to, it was about the big bad sin that nobody in the church ever does, but it was one of the things that the world does. Yeah. Um, and so knowing what I was involved with, um, at an early age, I just equated that to there must be something wrong with me. Uh, I'm not like everybody else, uh, mm-hmm. because every time I do hear this spoken of, it's always about those people. Mm-hmm. um but I'm here in the church but I must it's somewhat, so it just I now know to call that shame uh it was this this belief that I'm somehow fundamentally flawed I am a mistake whereas guilt oh. I made a mistake right. um, shame I am a mistake mm-hmm. but so yet it's part of you absolutely mm-hmm. but oh. in- instead of letting that take me to total despair what that did is I'm going to work like crazy to fix this mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. because I don't want to okay. be a
2: mistake I want to continue to strive and and I want God to be pleased and so I became a, as Melody alluded to in her story, I was a very, uh, very big performer, just performing. And if you give me a track to run on, and I'm gonna run you know, as fast as I can and, and check off all the boxes in record time. I started preaching when I was 15 um, in a small town, um, our high attendance Sunday. Uh, we tried every high attendance Sunday to have a hundred people in Sunday school. <laughs> um, so it was a you know, relatively small uh, church. Um, on my mom's 40th birthday, uh, August 24th, 1986, I preached my first sermon. And that's a whole wow. story in and of itself. And um, there were 312 people, I believe, was the final count there mm-hmm. that Sunday morning. Wow. And so from that point forward, I was now not only have to live for my family's reputation, mm-hmm. for God's reputation, I had my own reputation, you know, to, to protect mm-hmm. and wanted to make sure I was a good witness and all of that. Um, came to Sanford to play basketball. That was a lifelong dream. Uh, to play division one basketball. And like Melody said, met her there. Um, she was a couple of years older um, than me, but uh, got to, got to Sanford and and it was an opportunity really for me to get to know some of my, uh, I, I wanted to leave the small town. Um, and I got to Sanford. It was a chance for me to start with a clean slate and to really let some people know me. Mm-hmm. But very quickly, I was labeled as the incoming freshman who'd already preached in about 250 churches. And then the lie I continued to believe was, well, I can't let these guys down. I can't let the, these guys know who I am. So then it became another layer of my very elaborate mask uh, of hiding behind. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I can't let them down. I can't let. So the, the lie that I believed is I have got to defeat this besetting mm-hmm. sin on my own. God's getting oh. fed up. God's getting tired of this. And he is, he's given me a little time, but I've got to fix it. And I've got to find the right Uh, the right button to push and the right lever to pull to finally get my behavior in order. Mm. And, um, that was really the beginning there. We got married and, um, soon after our marriage, there was financial stress and Mm -hmm. that was the first time in my life I'd really experienced failure at that level. Um, trying to be Superman, trying to have it all together. Even, uh, and I, we were such performers, we were performing for each other. And, and the great, um, uh, thing that that marriage does is god changes us we've come to find out mm-hmm. in community and when you're yeah. and, and sometimes we're just forced in community and marriage is that for most people we don't really know how to do community but like it or not there's somebody living with you now so you've got community. community yeah right, so right. so all those masks that i could hide behind mm-hmm. you can't hide as easily when someone's right there in the same house with you. Mm-hmm. And so, but yet we tried. And, and so yeah. as our stuff would bubble up, we would hide even more. And, and the financial stress during that period, um, I, I just ran and escaped and, and didn't really know how to engage that pain. I didn't know how to engage um, what that made me feel. I call it now the ache of the soul that was surfacing. Mm, and so yeah. what I knew is I ran to the pornography and mine progressed. Uh, it was chat rooms. Um, and, and for me, the thing about chat rooms growing up, as I described, where nobody really knew me because I was constantly presenting like a chameleon, a new face um, in a chat room. Um, it was for the first time in my life, somebody, did not have any preconceived notion of who I was. And what hooked me uh, to that is that they got to know me for me. And and that mm-hmm. soon spiraled down to some very dark places with some adult chat rooms. But that initially, that was the draw. Mm-hmm. Um, no expectations. No expectations. Yeah. Um,
0: I think that's really neat because as I'm listening to y'all you, tell your story, it's almost like heads and tails of the same coin, mm-hmm. you know, heads you believe your hype and you think I'm a good performer and mm-hmm. I've got it all together yep. or tails i got to keep this up that's because right. somebody's going to find out i'm not that's mm-hmm. right and and wow the allure of somebody just accepting you for mm-hmm. who you really are mm-hmm. i can see why someone would retreat into that mm-hmm. if their experience so far has been either believe my hype and keep going harder harder mm-hmm. harder harder
1: yeah.
0: or keep up a facade so no one really sees that I know I'm flawed well
1: and spiritually I think we put so much pressure on what we think we're supposed to be I mean I really felt like Trey and I were best friends but I also thought I have to make God happy with me I've got to make him happy with me and I've just got to do everything that I can to be that quote unquote godly woman my definition of that was warped Mm -hmm. but we were just trying to perform so much for each other because we wanted to look good, be good, you know, be that great husband and wife. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we're performing in the church and doing everything that we can. And, you know, ultimately uh, sometimes we can't keep up and we go underground. And when we go underground, we look for rescue and other things. Yeah.
2: We were worn out and Mm -hmm. we call it the performance treadmill. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners can identify with that. Well, I can feel it Mm -hmm. as y'all are talking
0: The exhaustion. And, and I can almost see it like warring against each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that's not the picture of what God has for us in marriage. And yet, mm-hmm. that's exactly where we find y'all mm-hmm. is yeah. in this performance treadmill. Mm-hmm. That's right.
2: And we were very good at it. I mean, we had from pretty pristine mask. Um, mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, from the outside, just being a friend at church, mm-hmm. I had no clue.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, I don't even think we had a clue. I mean, honestly. Yeah. I had a clue. You had a clue? Okay. <laughs> I don't so, think Trey that- had a clue, but <laughs> Melody didn't have a clue. And I I'm telling you, looking from the
0: outside in, Ken and Barbie. And I'm not kidding mm-hmm. you. That's what it looked like yeah. to the world. Yeah. I'm telling you, Melody was born to birth children. <laughs> and I'm telling you, they have four beautiful babies that are not babies anymore. But, yeah. I mean, she'd pop a baby out and be, like, thinner than when she was pregnant. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> but, I mean, it looked perfect mm. from the outside. Yeah. And, and oh. I think
1: we thought that it was for a while. And then, you know, we begin to figure out, wait, something's not right here. And, um, you know, again, the definition of what I thought a godly Christian woman was, you know, his clothes are on the floor. You say at one time, Hey baby, can you pick up your clothes and put them in the basket? Well, you don't say it again because then you're the naggy wife, you know? And so then there's this frustration and, Ultimately, long-term, it can become bitterness and all that kind of stuff. And so things begin to surface. But I'll go on and let Trey kind of talk about where his heart went.
2: Well, I think definitely my heart went underground because um, I was on this path of duty. Mm -hmm. Uh, I need to strive to be all God wants me to be. And um, a book, uh, Sacred Romance, that that really impacted me, Uh, Brent Mm -hmm. Curtis and and John Eldridge, um, as they present this path of duty, uh, this eight-lane superhighway um, Mm -hmm. that's very clean Mm -hmm. and neat, very well lit, but, our heart wasn't designed for that and yeah. and this what we've been describing this performance treadmill this this path of duty that we're doing 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 um they say in that book and i I believe it to be true, it definitely fleshed out in our lives, is that our heart either um we anesthetize our heart or we indulge our heart mm. uh, and i was wow. doing and I was doing both yeah. I was doing both um publicly uh, my heart was was anesthetized I was um you know keeping up the persona. But privately, I had a, a secret double life, mm. and I was, I was whoring after safer lovers um, mm. and because our heart doesn't go away. It, it does go oh, underground. Oh, hold on.
0: I just have to like let that hit. Wow. Say that phrase again just one yeah, more time. My heart
2: was whoring after safer lovers.
0: Wow, y'all. That is it. That mm-hmm. is the core of our mm-hmm. being. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Our heart longs for something that's safer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. than yeah. what is required in a sacred kind of romance with, like you taught us last time, a scandalous mm-hmm. love from an almighty God,
1: right? I mean, right. wow. Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, Trey's heart's going underground, whereas I am saying, wait, something's not right here. I don't know what's not right, but something's not right here. So I need to go into dull over t- overload time and work even harder, You know, Mm -hmm. the house is clean. The food's on the table when Trey gets home. You know, oh no, you don't have to bathe the kids. You sit down and and, and we'll have a cup of coffee in just a minute when I've tucked everybody in. And so you just let me work harder. Let me do more because then he'll he'll love me more. Then he can give me what I need. Exactly. If I do this, then I can get my need
0: met. And we
2: didn't know how to communicate our needs. You know, we didn't think we had any. We bought bought Mm. into the lie that if you're really godly, you don't have needs. No. Uh, no, no, Christian
0: belief, lie number one. Absolutely.
2: Um, uh, getting that,
0: my means, needs met is
2: selfish. That's yes. right. And especially oh. in marriage, I, I call it the Jerry Maguire syndrome. You complete me. Oh, you know? that and that and here we and here we are believing in that on one hand, but then believing on the other hand, we don't have needs. And so for the 11 years of our marriage, um, I was passive aggressively trying to get needs met that I was I had convinced myself weren't even there. Mm-hmm. And so how warped and messed up is that? But yes.
0: I, I mean, think about that, y'all. Say that again. Because, I mean, this could be revolutionary Mm -hmm. truths for somebody Mm -hmm. today Mm -hmm. that that is listening going my life has been a constant treadmill and we just keep seeing the same patterns over and over in our marriage i keep seeing the same patterns over and over in my kids but i don't know what it is i just think there's some power in what you're saying and i just don't want us to like keep going because we talked this language i mean we're loving this but say that again that is so good
2: yeah basically that we are um we're on this treadmill, but I think we're even we're we're approaching God either either as we talked about last week as an elder brother or as a prodigal, mm-hmm. and and we don't know anything other than that we're either yeah. very very bad or very very good, <laughs> and, and and instead of bringing God into the mess and just allowing ourselves to be and unfortunately what we were both longing for was intimacy, mm-hmm. we wanted intimacy which is not just sexual intimacy but we wanted to be known warts and all, yeah. but I was too much of a coward to tell her I wasn't willing to take the risk. To say this is who I really am because I was terrified of what that might mean and and also about the shame that drove that because I knew she loved who she thought I was. That's right. I didn't trust enough to know and wasn't willing to take the risk to see and find out will she really love who I really am. Um, and I wasn't even wow. in a, at a level willing to face who I really was because, again, I was so wrapped up in this sure, paradigm sure. that I've got to do certain things so that God will like me. And if I don't, oh. he's going to be disappointed. And and that view of the Father that keeps us in isolation, mm-hmm. that keeps us um, retreating from community, yeah. that is actually God's healing uh, community is his formula for healing. We didn't is. get that because we were so busy trying to keep up a persona. When you are in community and it's real community and they know you're junk, you can't keep up a mask anymore. And but God doesn't want, want, want us to. to? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, and really back to the Jerry Maguire s- syndrome that you said earlier, I remember when Tom Cruise said that to Renee Zellweger, and I can't imagine how many gazillion women on the face of the earth went, ah, oh. but in reality, that's enmeshment. There is no way that God put Trey on this earth to complete me when only he can do that. And so how many times was I looking for Trey to come through for me? He didn't come through for me. And now he's going to pay. You know, Mm -hmm. it may be passive aggressive, you know, or it may come through control or all the other, you know, avenues that we run to, but only my heavenly father can complete me. And then whatever I get from him is the cherry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with that,
2: with all the lies that go into what we're talking about, and there's many, uh, one of those is um, godly couples don't fight. Right. You know, when you don't have needs, <laughs> you've got it all together. No. Our, our purpose is to fix everybody else, to minister everybody else, save the world. <laughs> um, we are not supposed to have conflict. Um, but yet there was conflict. When two people, God bubbles up our stuff in community. It's how we, mm-hmm. you know, godly li- godliness, I heard a couple of weeks ago, we can't flesh that out in isolation. Because oh, it's okay. in community that we really are yeah. able to, to benchmark that. So we're living in community mm-hmm. as husband and wife, trying not to have conflict. So what we're doing, is we're stuffing. we got all this emotions, this anger, and this stuff that we don't feel like we've got permission to vocalize. And so there's all these resentments that we don't oh, know. That, yeah. but it's and just, it
1: creates this big old anger baby because you don't know what to do with it. And then, you know, for me sometimes, if it did come out, it might be, oh, you know, poor Trey you know what a hate his kid do that but I might point out this husband could do it how shaming you know? poor Trey he couldn't do this but you know I might make up this example like, man he really spends time with his family or he really can pick up the clothes on the floor of his bedroom or you know whatever I bet he wouldn't have to be asked
0: that's to right. do that That's three, or three or yeah. four times. Well,
2: we compare our worst with everybody else's mask. Right, <laughs> which
0: don't you love that? I yeah. love how instead of making our standard God mm-hmm. yeah. so that we'd immediately see our own stuff, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we look to somebody else who we don't have community with mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. let's be honest, we don't pick somebody we know because we would know their too. That's right, exactly We pick somebody who we know, you know, mm-hmm. offhandedly. I yeah. see them at church and we sit beside each other three rows separated That's and right. there are usually about four families over, mm-hmm. but... Yeah. They look mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. So godly. And he wears the greatest outfits and he mm-hmm. always matches her. Mm-hmm. And do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> like oh, yeah. whatever it is that's right. our little woundedness, mm-hmm. brokenness, mm-hmm. where we come up with our facade, that's what we do. Exactly. That's right. And it's shaming, mm-hmm. which is what I think you're trying to say is Absolutely. this shame kind of feeds.
2: That's right. It it does. It drives oh. the behavior and it actually leads to more isolation, which means leads to more it's orphan sin. thinking, yeah. more more of that. And so ultimately for us and our story, we were married for 11 years. So we did have four kids. Um, my, I never got my acting out under control. Mm. Uh, because, um, when everything came out in the year 2000, um, I was still in a paradigm of, I've got to fix it. I had this perfect persona. Okay. Now there's an obvious flaw, but okay. Still in that paradigm though. Okay. Now I've got to fix this. So I went out to one of the best programs in the country I spent a week there, really got more information, and then added some good information, though, to a flawed paradigm. And Mm. my belief was, if I know better, I'm supposed to do better. Mm -hmm. And so then it was like, oh, this is information I didn't have. I didn't understand some of the wounds of my childhood. I didn't understand that I was just medicating pain and that that's why I was making some of these bad choices. Now that I know, I'll never do that again. Mm -hmm. So Melody and I, it all came out. We were separated for about six months when my uh, addiction surfaced and after six months and God doing some really amazing things, uh, we did reconciling and come back together. Um, but I had, I was looking at recovery as I got to get this fixed. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, okay. I fixed it. It's all clean and neat. Again, life is supposed to be clean Mm -hmm. and neat. I had a little hiccup along the way, but now it's all fixed again. And, and we talk about sin in the past tense. This is what was happening way long ago, but this is how I fixed it wasn't working recovery. We get back together. And then, um, a year later, um, I had another one night stand. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and at that point, um, that's what ultimately in 2002, uh, led to our divorce. And the guilt then was, how could I have done this again? You know, I must, that's right. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. must be, um, everything I believed to be true was fighting, you know, about the shame now seemed to be very, very real. I must be just, must just quality. be me, yeah, right. Right.
0: right. And isn't that sad? But that's true. We start mm-hmm. to go, "Well, I've done it again. I've done that's it right. again. Now it's mm-hmm. me. It's that's part right. of me."
1: What a lie. Well, and I think what well, the difficulty that I was in, and and when this kind of happened, when Trey and I were dating, I had a cousin that was kind of being groomed for the um, Baptist convention and all that kind of stuff. And long story short, he had an affair, and it was really in our dating that I was grieving this because he was kind of the perfect cousin. Mm-hmm and groom for ministry and all that. And I remember dating Trey going, oh my gosh, he is reminded me of this scenario. So I actually, while Trey and I were dating, I said, you know, if you ever, then I will, you know. And uh-huh. so when all of our stuff comes out in, in December of 2000 and our kids are five, four, two and six months at that time, um, that's, I said, if, if you do this, then I will. And so here I am faced with, I, I've got to leave this man. This is what I said I would do. Well, first of all, never say what you think yeah. you're going to do when it's not there, but God ultimately did a work in my heart. You know, Trey mentioned that he went to, um, Minnesota for a week and, and I kind of went kicking and screaming because I knew that ultimately we would end in divorce. And what God did was use that information and use that time to begin to do a work in my heart. And we did, we did get back together for almost a year, um, and, 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 and then when it happened, the one night stand happened in May. The following year, um, we we went went through with divorce. And again, our my paradigm is is beginning to shift. But I still, you know, when it first all came out, my thought was that happens to women who don't take care of their husbands. And so here I am mm-hmm. faced. I think I said in the last podcast with. How could this happen to me? I've been such a good wife, a such a good you know mother, and. Now I can look and say, God lovingly said, I want to take you here. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. he allowed pain to get me there. Now, much of my story is blaming Trey because now my perfect world, my perfect plan did not turn out. So God ultimately took me down a separate path. And we'll talk a little bit more about that, how he kind of brought us to the end of ourselves. Um, Trey's end being our first marriage and my end being my second marriage. And we'll talk a little bit about that, (laughs) which I just think is so great.
0: Um, my first marriage was Mm -hmm. very similar. I mean, it it is, it is so, um, eerie almost Mm -hmm. how parallel our stories are. And, Mm -hmm. and I see how God worked it in two totally different ways, Mm -hmm. you know, and I see his redemption in both, which Mm -hmm. I think is the, is the beauty Mm -hmm. of the gospel. Mm -hmm. Um, Because there is no formula. That's right. No matter what, there's not a formula. It it was so about our relationships. But isn't that awesome that as Trey really did get to the end of himself and say, even insight, even powerful, getting to the best Christian people Mm -hmm. who know how to deal with this. Mm -hmm. That wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. We had to see it yet again in Trey that it's not going to be about our performance. Mm -hmm. It can't be. And so I love that that's kind of where you got by the time of the divorce, Mm -hmm. because you were at the end of yourself and just, and I remember that you were so broken. Mm. And I remember looking, seeking God, but I never knew where. It was kind of fuzzy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Okay. So then Melody, you get to the point of, if Trey hadn't done this, I wouldn't be in this situation. It's it's Trey. It's Trey. Blaming, 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 which, you know, we can all get there Mm -hmm. because- it from the outside looks like it was a bunch of affairs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, people could judge and easily go, "It's Trey." Mm-hmm. But we all know who've walked through a situation like this. It is a two-sided relationship mm-hmm. that we kind of feed each other mm-hmm.
1: in. So, so tell me what God was doing for you. Well, and interestingly enough, uh, because of my paradigm at that time, privately, publicly, it was all Trey's fault. This is all his fault. This is his addiction. This is his stuff. I tried to make it work. We got back together. It didn't work. So it's all his fault, you know. Right. But privately alone, with the paradigm that I had at that point, I'm thinking, God, I just screwed up.
2: Mm-hmm. I know God's
1: good now and I know he's sovereign, but somehow I screwed this up. I just had to pick the perfect guy the minister, the mm. godly guy, the, you know, adventurer, the beauty, whatever, all that. I just, I picked wrong. I picked wrong. So that's going on, Mm. and then I'm beginning to get grace just a little bit, but still in that victim model. And so two years down the road, um, I'm married again. And because of what I picked the first time, I was a little more relaxed than who I picked the second time.
0: So let me get this picture right. Mm-hmm. So the first time you marry, you marry for everything you ever wanted. You Absolutely. know, that little six-year-old little girl that says, when I grow up, I'm going to marry the six-foot-four Absolutely. guy who is hot and beautiful and loves the Lord. Because I'm awesome. Right, because I'm worth it. I deserve it. this. I'm worth <laughs> it. Hello. <laughs> Barbie gets the kin, right? Absolutely. So you got your heart's desire mm-hmm. in the first marriage, and it got crumbled. Mm-hmm. So the second marriage... You changed kind of what
1: you were looking for, right? And I don't. Did I don't, you feel like you were settling? You know, I think if if you had asked me at that point if I was settling, I would have said no, because really the only prerequisite that I had moving into marriage was that he loves the Lord. That's it. I don't. Well, that's a be, pretty loose. <laughs> that's pretty loosey goosey. Don't don't you know? Doesn't have to be athletic. do not I don't even have to be attracted to him. I mean, why? You know, I was attracted to the first person or whatever, but needless to say there's a lot of pain that went into that decision too and then when that didn't work mm-hmm. wow I have taken four children through another divorce and Trey and I had had very um, uh, small conversations at that you know we're co-parenting at that point but we had just um, very just a couple conversations through the course of that time.
0: And I, I remember it being very cordial between mm-hmm, the two of mm-hmm. y'all. You handled parenting so well, and I was very proud of that. I mean, y'all, you were textbook for me. I was trying to learn from. Yeah. But um, I remember I just always kept praying for y'all. Mm. So you're going through this second divorce, and now you've got shame. Wow, yes. You've oh my gosh, done this to your out. kids. So what did that do for the two of y'all? Like when when you would have those Small conversations, like mm-hmm. you were saying. Um, because by this point, you had, what, three years of really hearing the gospel preached mm-hmm. in a way of living out the gospel every day and preaching the gospel to yourself. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things I just love mm-hmm. about your church mm-hmm. is that it is a consistent, mm-hmm. daily, how are you preaching the gospel to yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you can't preach it to somebody else if you're not preaching it to mm-hmm. yourself. That's right.
2: Yeah, well, our, um, I and mean, I think probably won't get to the end of the story, maybe in this th- big part of me is before she got remarried, um, I, I was under discipline at that church when I joined. And so for two years, uh, and their discipline was live as if you're married until Melody is no longer available for reconciliation. Well, in my mind at that time, with her being so angry and bitter, um, that may be 20 years. It may be forever. So I'm going to basically put my life on hold. Um, in the summer of 2004, due to a lot of the things that I was reading Something that I fought, particularly, we weren't really getting along very well. You may have thought we were. Publicly, we were. Yeah, privately. <laughs> Gosh, you guys were awesome at faking it. You were going uh, not <laughs> get like along looking so well. I to y'all
0: for like pointers. <laughs>
2: um, but God warned me to the idea of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't and, know that. And the, yeah, she had no clue. And through a lot of my journaling, I finally said, okay, um, God, I'll surrender. And uh-huh. uh, two weeks later, she came to my office and told me she was engaged to be married. And so then I'm confused. I'm like, God, okay, what does this mean? Do I just go pour my heart out to her? I'm, I'm reaching out for counsel and all that. And everybody was saying to a man, no, let's just see how this plays out. Well, she got married. So in my, on my side, it felt like God was rubbing my nose in it. It's like oh. here, that would have been the best news ever if it had come two months before. Because all I would have heard is finally I get on with my life.
0: Right. It would have been like washing your hands. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I can
2: move on. and I'm not under discipline anymore. But now God warms me to reconciliation. And then, boom, the door slams. And so it, it felt very cruel um, and just oh. kind of really had to work through a lot of that. But um, so when she divorced again, there was not even an inkling of a thought in my mind. OK, maybe there's some hope for us again because of what happened in 2004. That door was forever closed. God Mm -hmm. had God had dealt with me uh, on that, and it really actually came away with God. You you want me to trust you, Um, so after her divorce, that we started getting along better because I think the grace that Melody began to taste, we did begin to co-parent better. She Mm -hmm. began to see her elder brother stuff, not you know it's sin is sin, right? You know, and it wasn't a hierarchy of sin.
0: And isn't that the truth? I mean, if we could all just at a moment Mm -hmm. of clarity. And our lives realize there is no little sin. That's right. Mm. And
2: the reason we put that hierarchy on there is because of our unbelief. Because we believe God has to, we have to have a performing a certain Mm -hmm. way. Our hearts that are full of unbelief have this hierarchy Mm -hmm. that we use to keep score. When we finally get grace, the scandalous grace we talked about last week, there's no need for a scorecard anymore. It's all grace.
0: Because don't we start to realize that, Grace mm-hmm. is abundant, and it never ends. Absolutely. Because if it ever ended, did it really start? Right. right. And is that our God? No, yeah, that's, that's not right. our God. And I think that's such a great place yeah. for us in this story because, let's be honest, they're remarried. So there's more to the story. <laughs> right. But um, I think this is a great place for us to stop this okay. week and leave them on a cliffhanger because <laughs> they're
1: going to want to come back. There was a lot that went into this.
0: But it starts to show how Route 1520 mm-hmm is being weaved Mm -hmm. into your story Mm -hmm. because here we are realizing for the first time that Melody started to see the elder sin was her or the elder brother was her. And that sin of unbelief, living in it, but unbelieving for the power and the relationship of it. I think that's a really powerful place. And I would love for people to have some time Mm -hmm. to think about that Mm -hmm. before we tell them what God has done next, because, you know, sometimes we kind of rush. Mm -hmm. We rush and go, ooh, yeah, next, next, next. And we get into that momentum, and we don't ever sit there and go, well, how was I like that? Mm -hmm. Am I like that? Am I doing that in my marriage? Am I passive aggressive? Because y'all have thrown out some really deep concepts. Um, I'm looking forward to what's going to be in the next um, week's. Talk, but um, you guys have been awesome. And I really hope that there are some women, guys, families, couples Mm. um, that are just hearing this going, okay, I need a taste of this. I need a taste of this kind of scandalous love from an almighty God who has limitless limitless um, emotion towards me and desire. So um, please check them out. They are on the web. They are at www.route1520.com It's R-O-U-T-E and then the numbers 1520.com It's Trey and Melody Lover. They have an incredible ministry here in Birmingham. They're starting to talk to different churches and go around the country and I just really wonder if, if you've got a need would you be so bold? that you would reach out even in the form of an email mm-hmm. and just say hey could you would you please pray y- you're not alone mm-hmm. you know I think that's the most powerful thing that, that our enemy has is he puts us in isolation and goes nobody will understand there's no one like you you are flawed and if they knew they'd let right so um let's just take a step if you would be so bold reach out to Melody or Trey and um See what the photo can do just with one step of belief. But until next week, um, this has been Eavesdrop with Melody and Trey Lover, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you.